Thanks for listening to the weekly teaching podcast for City Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. It is our desire to be a Jesus-centered family on mission. If you live here in Knoxville or are ever visiting the area, we'd love to have you with us at one of our Sunday gatherings. You can find out more at citychurchknox.com. If you're interested in giving financially to help us reach more people in our city, you can give easily at citychurchknox.com give. And finally, if this teaching is helpful to you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. You can email us at info at citychurchknox.com. With that being said, here's this week's teaching. Turn with me to John 13. John 13. My name is uh, Marcus Williamson, and I am also a part of the Williamson Life Group. <laughs> There it is. Um, And I'm also one of the pastors here, and more specifically, I'm one of the lay pastors here at City Church, and so uh, that is just a fancy way of saying that I work at at UT full-time. Go Vols. We almost lost. We almost lost, but we did it, guys. We did it. We pushed through. We got the W. Um, (laughs) So I work at UT as a senior graphic designer, but I also do uh, various things here uh, on a part-time basis. Um, and so, if I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, I would love to after the gathering sometime. Um, and if you go to UT, um, I would love to hang out with you. I work in the communications building, so feel free to reach out at any point. Uh, hopefully, I'll respond, and we'll go from there. <laughs> I'm joking. I'll respond. I'll, I'll respond. I promise. I'll put it in a special filing cabinet. Uh, if you are new to City Church, we are in a series called Church matters. And in it, we have been talking about why. Uh, We've been talking about the why behind the things that we do here on Sunday. And the reason we are doing this is because if you've been around church for any amount of time, you know that it's very easy to kind of go through the motions with church, uh, specifically just gathering stuff in general. Um, And so what we want to do is to be able to tell the purpose behind it, right? And so we've talked about teaching, we've talked about singing, We've talked about giving, and we've talked about eating, which is a really good sermon. So if you ever get a chance and you're new, definitely check that one out. Uh, And today, what we're going to talk about is serving. Now, let me go ahead and say up front, serving encompasses more than just serving on Sundays. Uh, And I'm really proud of our church in that that we actually do serve outside of these walls. Uh, I know a lot of life groups serve every month, uh, which is really cool to see. Um, But because of the focus of this series, I will primarily talk about serving as it pertains to Sundays itself. Now, a little backstory on me. Um, I grew up in the church through and through. My dad was a deacon in the church. My mom was a deaconess. She also served uh, as a secretary and as a teacher and lots of other things. (laughs) My dad did the same thing. And needless to say, we were always in church. And because we were always in church, I also served a lot. I served in the band. I don't know why they didn't want me to try out or anything, but I served in the band in my hometown church. Uh, I also uh, served in the youth choir, oddly enough, mostly because I was a youth and not because I could sing. That was just for clarification there. Uh, And I served on the usher team. Does anybody know what an usher team is? Only a few of us, only a few of us, okay. Uh, just think of it like, uh, like our version of host team, except with black suits. And for some reason, white gloves. I, don't, I do not know why we had the white gloves, I promise. It's just kind of weird, uh, now that I say it out loud. But uh, for those of us who actually grew up in church, if you have a similar story uh, as me, 
I didn't really volunteer as much as I was voluntold to do things, right? Like that's kind of how that went. We didn't really have this cool software where we could check yes or no. Like that wasn't a thing back in the day. It was like, no, you're doing it. This is how it goes. And so oftentimes when I served, it felt more like a task, right? So a box to be checked off and I was like, okay, good. You know, I'll be good for next time, whenever that is. Um, so essentially what I was missing was the why behind my serving. And over time, not knowing the why made it more and more difficult to actually serve because I was just being told to do it. So it's far less sustaining. And I think that's how it works for a lot of us. If we don't think much about why we are serving, it's pretty easy to kind of get burnt out or just to kind of bail out on it altogether. And I believe the more you understand the purpose behind serving, uh, the more you'll be empowered to endure, to preserve, and do this for the long haul. And honestly, the more you understand the why behind serving, you'll actually enjoy it, right? You'll be joyful at serving. And so that's kind of what I want to do for our chunk of time. And hear me say this. I'm going to say this up front. I don't really feel like I need to convince any of us to actually serve. Uh, and the reason I know that is because over 80% of our members here at City Church actually serve in some capacity on any given Sunday, which is amazing. Um, I know that stat probably doesn't wow you probably too much, but that is basically unheard of in church world. Unheard of. And so I don't feel like I need to really twist anybody's arm to actually serve because of this teaching, but I do want to make sure we understand the why behind what we do. So I've got four reasons that I want to kind of jump into. We'll start with uh, John 13, like I said, and then we'll kind of go from there. So first up, the first reason for why we serve. We serve because it needs to be done. We serve because it needs to be done. And I'm getting this from verses 4 through 5. Now, for context, Jesus and his disciples are about to have what's called uh, or often called the Last Supper, um, right before Jesus goes to the cross. And so we'll pick it up in verse 4. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. So, before the Last Supper actually happened, uh, Jesus, was considered, uh, who was considered their teacher and also who doubled as God in the flesh, decided to wash his disciples' feet. Now, during this time, uh, um, when transportation by sandal was the main source of transportation, you can imagine the disciples' feet were pretty dirty, right? Like real dirty. Um, if you go hiking, you'll know this, uh, uh, especially if you hike in Chacos. Like if you hike in Chacos in a dry and dusty place for many hours, think of that, but maybe times 10. So it was customary, it was customary practice to wash the feet of the guests of the house. And it was often reserved for the lowest servant on the totem pole. Um, and so in our passage, Jesus gets up Jesus, who is their teacher, their rabbi, the Lord, God in the flesh, gets up from the mill, takes off his outer clothing, and wraps a towel around his waist, and he begins the process of washing the disciples' feet. Theologian David Guzik points this out in relation to this passage. He says this, If Jesus wanted to just display the image of a servant, he would have had a servant or one of his disciples do all of this preparation work. 
He then would have wiped, quickly wiped a damp cloth on a few dirty feet and considered the job done. That would have given the image of servanthood and loving leadership. But Jesus gave himself completely to this work. Jesus saw the need and took it upon himself to do what needed to be done. Instead of asking or even demanding a servant to do it, nonetheless for his disciples to do it, he lowered himself to actually do it. Somebody had to wash feet, right? Somebody had to do it. So Jesus said, I'll do it, right? After all the disciples put their fingers on their their nose and said, I didn't want to do it, like Jesus actually said, I will do it. He humbled himself fully to take on the role of a household servant and wash his disciples' feet. So, for you and I, when it comes to serving, specifically in a church context, sometimes we get to serve in areas uh, 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 that's kind of our wheelhouse, that we're actually gifted in. So, you know, if you are a people person, maybe you serve on a host team, and that's where you serve, and that, you know, that is your bread and butter, or Maybe you are a super talkative person and you also serve on host team, which can also be really good for you. Um, Or maybe you have an ear for sound and you serve in the production booth. Like all of these things are great, uh, especially if if it's done with humility. But other times, in fact, a lot of the time, we just serve by doing things that need to get done. Now, while it's quite not like washing feet, let me, in, uh, let me let you in on a little secret. A lot of people handing out bulletins here on Sundays don't feel like they have the spiritual gift of handing out bulletins, in case you were wondering that. And if we're honest, a lot of people putting out parking signs don't feel like they have a passion from God to put out parking signs. Unless you do, and if you do, please reach out to Jay, who's in the back. He's right there. I'm sure he's taking all people. Um, For City Kids volunteers, changing diapers is not on their top 10 list. If you've ever changed a diaper, you know that. Um, So why do they do these things? Why in the world do they do these things? Well, it's because when you are a part of a family, there are moments where you do what needs to be done. There just is. And I think we can all relate to that on some level, right? We've all had to wash dishes or clean our rooms or houses when we don't necessarily want to, but when we actually need to. Well, some of us, maybe not all of us, but you get what I'm saying. Um, And it's similar with serving. Sometimes you do things because it needs to be done. So that's why we serve. We serve because it needs to be done. Next reason for why we serve. We serve because Jesus first served us. We serve because Jesus first served us. Look at this from verses 12 through 17. And then we'll actually swing back around to verses 6 through 11. It says this, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Make sure you pay attention to this part. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So the disciples saw that, uh, uh, saw that Jesus 
saw Jesus as their teacher, and as was custom back in the day, they were to do everything uh, that he did like he did. So think of it like this. My grandfather was a brick mason, and one of his sons, my uncle, uh, wanted to follow into his footsteps. And basically what he did was he just watched everything that he did, like everything. And he maybe didn't get everything exact, you know, exactly the way he did it, but he got pretty close to doing things exactly how he did it. And he actually ended up learning the business and was able to replicate and build on those foundations that my grandfather had laid for him. And so in many respects, my grandfather uh, was an example for my uncle. And so in a very similar way, the disciples would have seen Jesus in this same exact way. They were essentially his apprentices. Uh, so after the taking the posture of a servant, Jesus says to them, hey, like, you've seen what I've done for you. Now I want you to go and do that for others. You've seen me feed thousands of people. You've seen me heal those who need healing. You've seen me defend those who need defending. And more recently, you just saw me wash your feet. <laughs> you've seen how all of my life has been one of service. So I want you to follow in my footsteps. You won't do the exact same things, sure, but you will build off on the foundations that I've set for you. In several other spots in the gospel, Jesus hits at similar notes on service as he did in verse 16. Here's what he says in Matthew 20, 25 through 28. Jesus called, to, called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over you, and their high officials exercise authority over you. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be what, church fam? Yeah, your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And this is exactly what Peter doesn't get in verses 6 through 8. Here's what he says. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. So Peter sees the Messiah, the king of the world, coming to wash his feet. And his response is like, nah, Jesus, I'm not, I'm good. I'm good. You're, you are too good for this. You're our teacher. You are our rabbi. You are our Lord. You are too holy for this. You are not going to wash my feet. To which if I were Jesus, I'd be like, good. I'll just keep going. Um, but... <laughs> Feet, man, it's something. Uh, but then Jesus replies, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. Jesus is essentially saying that, that the very way we enter into his kingdom is allowing him to actually serve us. The way we enter in his kingdom is to actually let him wash us. Peter tried to stop Jesus from doing the very thing that Jesus was sent to do, which was to serve. See, for us, the price of admission into Jesus' kingdom is allowing Jesus to give his life as a ransom for us. So if at any point we think that he is too important for us, uh, for him to serve us, 
or worse, that we are too important to take the posture of a servant to follow in his footsteps, we've misunderstood, we've misunderstood the very core of his kingdom. See, belonging to the kingdom of Jesus is about being served by Jesus first and then following in his footsteps behind him. All right, next reason. We serve so people can see Jesus. We serve so people can see Jesus. And I'm getting this from verses 34 through 35. It says this, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So Jesus finishes his teaching by saying that if his disciples love one another, a.k.a. serve one another, that there's something about that that will draw people into the message of Jesus. People will know that they are Jesus' disciples by that type of activity. So we often say around here that, that for six days out of the week, we actually go to our city with the message of Jesus. We are essentially missionaries sent out from this place to our campuses, to our workplaces, with our friend groups, and our neighborhoods, all of that stuff. We, we are sent out with the gospel to them. And then for one day of the week, we actually get to host our city here. They show up to our building, and we get to play the role of host. And so how do we actually host well when a person actually comes through our building for the first time? Well, I can think of two reasons, or two ways that we can actually do that here on Sundays. And so the first um, is officially. Is officially. In official capacity, uh, you can serve on the various teams that we have here on Sundays. Um, so I mentioned the parking team. Uh, the parking team is most often uh, uh, the first touch point for new people here in our building. Uh, if you remember what it was like when you were new here, or maybe you are new here, um, to which I would say welcome. Glad you're here. Um, but if you, when you were new here, parking can be a little complicated, just a little bit. And chances are you might show up early, and unless you're meeting someone or somehow you're able to drag a friend with you, you know, some of y'all have done that before, right? Uh, drag a friend with you for more support, then the first person you are going to see is someone on the parking team, most likely. And so that role is such a vital role for our church family, if you look at it through that lens. They are literally the first person uh, a new person is going to actually come in contact with. And so what better way to serve than being a welcoming face to them, being a welcoming presence for someone who is new? Hosting is also a part of our front door, and it's easy to see that because it's literally a front door um, for people to, go, uh, to come through. But just like with parking, you're helping break down walls for people. You're actually helping break down walls as they enter. Whether that's, again, being a welcoming face, uh, a smiling face, or being able to answer any questions they may have about our church or just really anything. Um, just enough to be able to ease people's minds and stuff. So it's about being a good host. Um, for those of you who are considering City Kids or if you already serve in City Kids, you are helping out on so many fronts. On the one hand, you are helping parents have the opportunity to worship, to focus in on this setting right here versus being able to focus in on whatever their kids are asking at the moment. And if you have kids, then you know exactly what I'm talking about because they do that from time to time. Uh, but then on the other hand, and this is the most beautiful part, you are displaying the gospel quite literally to their kids each and every Sunday. 
whether that's through curriculum, whether that's through songs or prayer, their kids are being formed over time and seeing what it looks like to follow after Jesus. And when it comes time for them to actually desire to submit their lives to who Jesus is, to follow in their footsteps, you will have played an integral role in that process. How beautiful, right? With production, uh, you are helping create an orderly worship environment for everyone, and especially for those who are new. Uh, you are putting up lyrics in case someone doesn't know the songs that they are singing. With sound, you are helping do all these EQs and helping cut out feedback and everything else so that you know, any distractions are limited so that people can actually focus in on the worship environment, so that people can actually focus in on singing. Because there's nothing worse than singing and then something happens and you're like, what? What just happened? <laughs> um, that's happened several times to me. But like to do that uh, or with even with the sermon you know, when feedbacks happen and all of that stuff. And so being able to eliminate distractions so people can actually focus in on worship. Um, for singing and playing instruments, you are helping lead our people and the people who come through these doors in songs towards the Lord. All throughout the scriptures, you see God's people singing songs to him. And so having a hand in that is so beautiful. So yeah, so, so that is serving in an official capacity. And if you're looking to serve, you can actually sign up uh, at citychurchnox.com if, if that is something that you would like to do officially. Now, when it comes to uh, uh, serving in an unofficial capacity, I feel like the sky is the limit. Um, we've said this from stage before, but we get to welcome new people into our gathering because we were welcomed first, right? And so unofficially, this can look like so many different things. It can look like uh, uh, coming early or staying late to talk to new people, which can be such a beautiful thing uh, uh, to listen in on someone's story, whoever is new in this building. You don't know how much that can mean to somebody. Um, and being able to either invite them to lunch after, afterwards, or even inviting them to your life group, that could be something really cool for them to see. Um, because it's further making the appeal that church is not some event they just attended, but church is actually a family that they can actually belong to. So the more we welcome people into a family, the more they are able to witness this on Sundays. Author Rebecca McLaughlin uh, says her husband has three rules of engagement uh, uh, that he operates by when they attend church gatherings. And, and I think it's a really good practice uh, for all of us uh, as we look to actually serve others. So here they say, uh, first, an alone person in our gathering is an emergency. Number two, friends can wait. And number three, introduce a newcomer to someone else. Such a beautiful uh, reminder, in my opinion. Uh, other ways to serve unofficially is, is just by seeing, like we said earlier, just by helping out when you see a need. Uh, taking ownership when you see a need can be just a really sweet gift uh, to love someone else or to love people here on staff, really. One way we've seen this done, and I know they're uh, not expecting this, but uh, some of our members actually saw the need for the top balcony uh, to be vacuumed, and so they took it upon themselves to actually do that which was so beautiful. Uh, so if you do sit up in the balcony regularly um, and you notice that it was a little cleaner, it's because of them. Uh, they are great. So yeah, so that's unofficially, and uh, honestly, I, I just saw it this morning, but like, you can actually also pray for the people in this space. Like, literally just saw it not too long ago, and I thought it was so beautiful to see someone actually praying over our people. You know how... 
Do you know how much weight that has for someone who's new? It is so beautiful to be seen and recognized in the moment, especially if you've been through a lot in your life. To have somebody pray over you can speak volumes, can speak volumes. All right, one more reason, one more reason. Uh, you won't find this in the passage, uh, just FYI, but this is more of a pastoral observation. Uh, we serve because it's who we are. We serve because it's who we are. If you don't have a servant's heart, you won't be serving even when you are serving. Uh, you'll show up, you'll check the box, you'll do the bare minimum, um, and you'll leave going, thanks, God. I'm glad I don't have to do that another time. Uh, <laughs> uh, but if you have a servant's heart, you'll serve, even when you're not serving. It'll just be in your bones. So a story uh, that kind of fits with this whole idea, uh, we've told it before, but I think it's a really great illustration. Uh, so Kent, one of our pastors uh, here at City Church, attended a pastor's conference in Atlanta, and at this conference, about 30 of them got to go to a private lunch uh, with one of the conference's speakers, um, and in their case, they got a chance to hang out with Francis Chan, which was really cool, I'm assuming. Um, and this is right around... <laughs> <laughs> and this is, this is right around the time when, uh, I don't know if you've read the book, but Crazy Love, uh, it's right around that time when it came out, so like everybody was like hyped about it, and it was really cool. Uh, but it w when it was over, when that, I guess, mini-session was over, uh, you know, all the pastors beelined to, to talk to Francis Chan, maybe get a selfie. TikTok wasn't out then, but you know, they got selfies somehow. Um, <laughs> whatever else they did, you know, they probably got their Bible signed, most likely. Um, <laughs> But all of them, they just kind of got up, left their food, left their stuff, you know, did their thing, and just kind of rushed, rushed at Francis Chan. They kind of like, yeah, fanboyed him, basically. Um, and yes, Kent did fanboy <laughs> a little bit, just a little bit. I'm not sure if he got his Bible signed. Maybe ask him that later. Um, but... <laughs> But while everyone was uh, waiting to talk to Francis, an older guy uh, in a standard Chick-fil-A employee's uniform uh, was going around and collecting everybody's trash um, that they had left on the tables. Uh, and it was a little bit weird because Chick-fil-A didn't really cater the lunch at all. Uh, so, you know, but I guess it's Chick-fil-A, so it makes sense someone just drive in, like, yeah, I'm Chick-fil-A, let me clean up after... <laughs> Sounds about right. But later, uh, Kent was able to spot the guy's name, um, you know, in tiny letters as Chick-fil-A's name tags are, and it read Dan Cathy, CEO. The man who was picking up, after all these pastors, uh, <laughs> um, all these pastors' uh, lunches, was the CEO of Chick-fil-A at the time. In case you're wondering, last I checked, yeah, Last I checked, he was worth $7 billion. Chick-fil-A was one of the primary sponsors at said conference. So Dan Cathy was not there uh, at the lunch because, he, you know, because his company catered it or because he was being paid to clean up after everybody, which, I mean, $7 billion, he does not need that. Um, but he was there because he was a special guest because that's how sponsorships work. He helped pay for the conference itself. So if anybody should have been hanging out with Francis Chan, it probably should have been him, right? And so 
Think of how beautiful that is, right? It's one of the best pictures I can think of where a person who has the status and the position and authority actually serves. He doesn't have to serve, but he actually serves. When serving is deep in your bones, when it's ingrained in you, it's just what you do. It is just what you do. Will you be perfect at it? No. You're not going to be perfect at it. Nobody will be. Will you always desire it? You won't always desire it either. But more times than not, if it is ingrained in you, you will end up doing it. So here's what I would say. Uh, If that's not you, if you don't feel like serving is in your bones, let me encourage you to pray to the Lord about wanting to be that kind of person. If Jesus is your teacher, if Jesus is your Lord and he served you, if he served us, then we should strive to be just like him in all ways, including serving. Including serving. It was in his bones. So pray to the Lord, pray to the Spirit that it becomes something for you as well, that it would be in your bones so intertwined that that is just who you are. All right, so those are the reasons for why we serve. And like we said earlier, these reasons can also apply to all types of serving. Um, And so I really hope that encourages you this morning. Um, And I want to leave you with one more thing as the band actually comes on up. I want to leave you with one more thing. Uh, I want us to read from Philippians 2. I want us to read from Philippians 2. Uh, We'll we'll go from verses 1 through 11. And it's such a beautiful encouragement that I hope this encourages you um, and encourages just, yeah, our posture here. So it says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mine. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. By all accounts, the way our church family serves one another is remarkable. Uh, it really reminds me of verse 4 where it talks about not looking to your own interests, uh, as it says, but each of you to the interests of the others. You guys are doing that. You really are. Um, 
And as one of your pastors, I, it is so beautiful to see. Um, and so I just want to encourage you in that, 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 that the Lord is working in that in you. Um, and so um, because that, that, that is what church family looks like. And so as we serve, may we be sustained by remembering the beauty of what the Lord did for us. Let us allow that to be the why behind we, what we do here how he served us ultimately on the cross, how he humbled himself, how he lowered himself to put us back in right relationship with the Father. Let's allow that to be why we serve from here on out. Let's pray.